the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us for the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this free for all Friday, the 20th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2019. Special treat coming up toward the end of the show at about 1035. One of my favorite conservative pundits to talk to, a graduate and survivor of the People's Republic of Oberlin College. Michelle Malkin will be joining us. Michelle uh, was going to be in D.C. for the fair event next week, where I will be at the uh, uh, Holding Their Feet to the Fire event uh, in Washington, D.C., to talk about uh, immigration issues, border policies, and so on and so forth, sanctuary cities, uh, illegal alien crime, all the things that we uh, are so very concerned about. And uh, she's not going to be there, so she agreed to come on with us instead. We were going to schedule her for for that uh, event next week, so she agreed to come on with us in advance of the event uh, in Washington. So uh, Michelle Malkin coming up. Also, l- there's a slight chance of this, but I'll just throw it out there anyway, just uh, hoping I don't jinx it. I'm trying to uh, uh, reach out, and well, actually I've reached out. I'm trying to get a response from uh, Ryan Morrow. Uh, what are we going to do about Iran? What are we going to do? about the act of war that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo declared was committed by the nation of Iran when they struck those oil refineries in Saudi Arabia. Not that we care too terribly much about the kingdom, but we do care about the impact on world energy, world oil prices, which would be affected by this. And the fact that we are a complicated ally of uh, Saudi Arabia, um, what should be the response? And I am not trying to dictate what the response should be, but I am trying to point out that there are a lot of individuals who feel like what we do here now is going to dictate how Iran and many of the other uh, United States enemies, um, how they view us going forward. 
and how emboldened they may be going forward to take strong, aggressive steps uh, toward violating our status as world leaders and, quite frankly, violating the um, uh, the sovereignty and the security of our allies in the Middle East or elsewhere. <clears throat> so it's a really big deal. And I'm not suggesting we go putting on our boots and marching right into Iran and taking over Tehran and trying to force uh, regime change or anything else. But what should we do? And word is some uh, of the president's advisors and at least some of the people who are are around him, whether they are officially in the... um, uh, in the job title of advisor or not, but some are saying, Mr. President, we cannot be soft on this. We must do something. The president says, let's increase sanctions for now, and that could be a good thing. Is that enough? Yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday on the broadcast, I tried to share with you what um, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, who has been one of the president's strongest supporters, particularly in the last year, year and a half or so, and I think even more so since his good friend, uh, Senator McCain passed away, and Senator McCain and, Sen- and uh, President Trump, of course, had been at odds uh, for quite some time. Uh, and I don't know that uh, Lindsey Graham necessarily had his full voice, I guess, uh, at that, that time, because he was having a hard time picking uh, favorites, if you will. But since um, Senator McCain's passing, Lindsey Graham has been one of the president's most staunch supporters. He fought, by the way, we'll tie this to one of the other big stories of the week. He fought very, very hard against the witch hunt that was trying to uh, bring down the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh for Supreme Court. So do not think for a second that Lindsey Graham doesn't have the president's and thus the country's best interest in mind. And Lindsey Graham is among those who has essentially declared we have to respond with something stronger than sanctions. Again, that I don't think Lindsey Graham is saying we need to go in boots on the ground, but we do need some sort of a military response. Perhaps uh, we need uh, you know airstrikes, something in that vein. Uh, didn't play the entirety of it for you, but I'll try to do that for you this morning. So that's one of the big stories, obviously, is how do we respond to Iran. Another huge story this morning has to do with whistleblowers. You've been paying attention to this, I know. <sighs> what a what a strange uh, little development this is, and I, and I really have no idea how this is going to play out, and I really have no idea if this is something we should defend uh, or if we should uh, fight Adam Schiff and the, the pencil neck himself and the rest of the congressional Democrats, but... Schiff and Congress are demanding the whistleblower report from the intelligence community member who apparently uh, did indeed uh, file one uh, over President Trump's alleged comments to a foreign leader, believed now to be Ukraine, uh, from uh, a short while ago. So this is a big deal. The White House is not releasing that. And the allegation, of course, from the left is he's got something to hide. I don't know. I don't know what he what it is. I don't know that he has something to hide. I just do know that whistleblowers uh, sometimes there's a very fine line between whistleblowers and criminal leakers. What did this whistleblower come forward with? We don't know. Uh, how is this whole thing going to play out? We don't know. Does, is it another attempt to smear President Trump? Probably. Remember the intelligence community, particularly the FBI, had and the CIA when Brennan was there as well. Uh, They have had it in for Donald Trump since before Donald Trump took office and became President Trump. And they have, of course, uh, been bad actors 
in the witch hunt that led to the Mueller investigation, which was the manifestation of the witch hunt. So uh, can we trust what we hear from the intelligence community? That is a big story that we have to uh, get into today as well. Uh, also, and this is a free-for-all Friday, so I'm kind of going to kind of bebop around a little bit here uh, on, a, on a few different topics. I, I neglected to bring this up yesterday in the interest of, of time, and I wanted to give it this as much time as possible. Someone brought this to my attention on Wednesday. So two days ago, someone, someone brought this to my attention. And I really disappointed in myself that I didn't know about it on Tuesday. But now that I do know about it, um, it needs to be discussed. And I could actually use the word discussed two different ways. Uh, disgust as in talking about it and disgust as in D-I-S-G-U-S-T, disgusting. Did you know that the state of Ohio is working apparently closely with CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations? The state of Ohio sponsored and hosted at the Ohio State House CARE's, uh, CARE Ohio's third annual Muslim Advocacy Day. And it was earlier this week. And there's a follow-up note to that that I'll share in a moment. This was held earlier this week, the third annual Muslim Advocacy Day. Protect civil rights, fight bigotry, promote tolerance. That's the slogan. That's the headline that they had on this event that they had at the White House. A little bit of the literature on this. Again, I'm I'm giving you something that is forward-worded, but I'm back-selling it now. It was worded this way, join CARE Ohio for the third annual Muslim Advocacy Day in Columbus at the Ohio State House. Participants will receive training, education, and meet with their elected representatives to discuss issues affecting all Ohioans. Registration fees include lunch training and materials um, to register a school, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the specifics on this are not listed, but we, what, here's one specific that we do need to know. This is promoted and sponsored by CARE. And our government agreed to allow CARE, which represents in the United States a terror organization called Hamas. CARE is the American arm, the American governmental arm, if you will, because they are just invading and infiltrating all levels of our government's care, um, is is literally Hamas. They are supporters of, in multiple ways, including financial ways, and of course here politically, uh, of the terror group Hamas. So Ohio got in bed essentially, in the interest of inclusion, in the interest of uh, advocacy, in the interest of, uh, you know, political correctness, with CARE, the Council on American Relations, Amer- uh, American Islam- uh, Islamic Relations. And, and this should be very important to note as well. This is the organization which has been around for decades, but yet was the organization that Representative Jihad Omar... Her real name is Ilhan Omar. I call her Jihad Omar. This is what she was referring to when she made her statements about 9-11 several months ago in describing some people did something. She said it was because of anti-Muslim backlash after 9-11, which was just that some people did something, and we all had to pay a price for it. That's when CARE was born, to look out for Muslims and to represent them against... um, 
attacks and, and against bigotry and against, uh, uh, you know, uh, shaming and so on and so forth. She's a liar. That's not a surprise. Jihad Omar is a liar. Care was around long before that, and Care is an extraordinarily dangerous player. Care is a very, very um, anti-American, pro-Sharia, pro-Islamic caliphate uh, organization, and we are celebrating with them and working with them at the Ohio State House level. Anybody have a problem with that? If you don't, you should. And I've got a lot more information that I'm going to share with you about that story as well. So, oh, I'm, let me go ahead and give you the spoiler here. I said there's some more information about this that I wanted to share with you, and I do. Um, I said this was held earlier this week. Do you want to know what day it was held? It was held on Tuesday. Tuesday was September 17th. Like I said, I did not find out about this until Wednesday. And I feel bad that I didn't. Didn't know about this. Because on Tuesday, on my program, on Tuesday, September 17th, do you recall what I spent a great deal of time discussing with you? If you listened, you may recall. If you didn't, I'll tell you now. I spent a lot of time talking about the Constitution of the United States for good reason. This past Tuesday... September 17th, was and is Constitution Day. And I spent a great deal of time talking to you about the importance of that glorious document and that outline for our constitutional republic. What it meant the day and in, in the days and weeks and months and years of the consti- of the um, um, uh Designing the, the the writing the the constitutional conference. I mean, then and now, the beauty, the prescience of our founders, and I'm going to always talk about this. They knew then that the document had to be something that would address the changing of the times going forward. And it's exactly what they wrote. I, I read to you this wonderful piece, a wonderful piece of constitutional history from Bill Federer, the noted uh, author and historian. And we spent a great deal of time talking about the need to make sure that the things that they foresaw then, again, the prescience of the founding fathers, um, would would still be applicable today, and it is. It's not a living, breathing document that needs to be or can be or should be changed or adjusted or altered because of the times. It needs to be static, not fluid. And they allowed for all of the protections in it. It's amazing that they were able to do that. Well, that glorious document, which we honor on Constitution Day, which was Tuesday, is in direct conflict with Sharia law. In Islamic law, you cannot possibly promote and believe in and support Sharia law and say you are a supporter and believer in the Constitution at the same time. They are fundamental opposite ends. And do you believe, this is my end game here, do you think that CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, chose this day by accident? Do you think they chose... September 17th, Constitution Day, by accident to promote their Muslim advocacy, the third annual, quote, Muslim Advocacy Day, and the state of Ohio allowed that to happen. So there's a lot of ground there that I want to cover with you. Um, it is a free-for-all Friday, so you choose your topic. I've just laid out about three or four of them. i got much more as well as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer.
All right, 926, not a Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. I have so much news for you today on this free-for-all Friday, which is good, because uh, we've got uh, open lines and opportunities between now and 1035 when Michelle Malkin will join us. Again, I've reached out to Ryan Moore from the Clarion Project. I hope to get him on to talk about our strategy vis-a-vis Iran and their uh, strike on the oil refineries, refineries in Saudi Arabia. I will let you know how that goes. But for now, it's all you and me, and i got a ton of things to talk about. Let's hear from uh, Mark in Fairview Park first, though. You're on AM 1420. The answer, Mark, go right ahead. Yeah, good morning, Bob. Uh, I was watching the TV this morning, and they were interviewing uh, Sylvester Stallone because they're coming out with the uh, yes, the show, Last uh, Blood Atlanta. tonight. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I, I'm such a huge fan of that series and of him. Well, I heard also they were talking about how they uh, had actually offered the role as Colonel to uh, Joe Biden. No, oh, Lordy. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyhow, what I wanted to comment on was the uh, this latest uh, possible hoax uh, or this attack on the administration about uh, some intelligence individual making uh, overheard the president making a promise to the uh, Ukrainian president, and I, all I'm thinking about now, geez. You know, we, we're just getting over the Kavanaugh situation, and now here comes an, here comes some other uh, wise apple up here with uh, uh, some kind of uh, you know that he that he heard uh, the president promised to something to the Ukrainian president, and that uh, you know I'm wondering what this promise was that uh, maybe he would stand by him if they were uh, attacked or harassed by Russia. You know, this will be interesting to see where this goes. But yesterday I was listening to uh, on, uh, Dr. Gorka. He had one of the women who there was two of them who wrote a book in support of uh, uh, Judge Kavanaugh. And uh, she had a theory. Uh, it's been going around in my mind for a little while about this. Uh, I think with these people, it's like a coordinated effort uh, to create this atmosphere of distrust for the administration or anybody in the administration. And you see, this is constantly going on and on. And, you know, for the guy, I brought this up to you once before, for the guy who comes home from a hard day's work, turns on his NBC where he gets, you know, eight, ten minutes of uh, trashing of the administration or Trump or Kavanaugh or anybody, you name it. You know, after a while, people, these people, they, you know, it's one of these things they keep pounding into people's heads where, where the average Joe Schmo probably sits down and, gee, what kind of administration is this, you know? What kind of den of corruption is this? You know, if they hear this well, stuff the, enough, the mistake, the, the mistake, of, the of course. Well, the, uh, well, of course it is. Control of information, and that's the key here, and that's why it's so important that we separate fact from fiction, separate real news from fake news, and identify the purveyors and the propagators of fake news. Look, uh, it, it, the first mistake is coming home and turning on NBC, and, 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 and that's just the reality of the situation. You wouldn't do that. But I do understand your point. If you were to just listen to them, the world is coming to an end, literally, by the way, because of climate change and our inaction, but also figuratively because Donald Trump, uh, orange man bad and everything he does is bad uh, the economy isn't actually good people aren't actually making more money people don't, aren't actually working better jobs uh, unemployment isn't unemployment rate isn't actually low our military isn't stronger than ever etc cetera, etc cetera. to listen to them everything is falling apart that's why you don't do that or if you do you temper it and you balance it by listening to salem radio you listen to you know to larry you mentioned sebastian gorka you listen to larry elder and hugh hewitt and dennis prager and you listen to the bob france authority because you have to counter all of that um i have so much more to get into today and like i said it is a free-for-all friday so whatever your topic is dial now at 216-901-0945 and we'll continue right after this 
Free for all Friday on the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. I uh, I was just getting into another topic. I want to hit this uh, now. Um, there's, a, there's a video that will not do... Let me rephrase. I have audio here that will not do justice to the seriousness of the circumstances without you seeing the video. So, long story short, I'm not going to play this audio for you, but I cannot strongly encourage you enough to get to my social media pages and watch this three-and-a-half-minute video for yourself as we respond to the likes of Robert Francis O'Rourke. Hey, Irishman, understand this. We will never, ever allow you or any people like you to tell us what guns we can own, how many we can own, and how many rounds our clips should be able to hold. Ever. We will fight you to the literal death before we will sacrifice our constitutional rights to freedom under the Second Amendment. The video in question is a police body cam video. And in this police body cam video, they are responding to a call of a, of a disturbed man, an angry man, with a knife. They show up, find the man, get out of their cars, see him holding his knife. They order him to get on the, to drop the knife. And get on the ground. But most importantly, drop the knife. I can't, again, I'm not going to play the video for you or the audio for you because without the video, it's useless. But just, I'm going to do my best to describe. They order him to drop the knife. I can't tell you how many times. Please, sir, please don't do this. As the man approaches, he keeps walking steadily, inexorably closer to the officers, closer, closer. They keep backing up. The body cam shows this. Arms extended, gun held, pleading with him, don't do this, we can help you, sir. Don't do this. It's a clear case of suicide by cop. He wants to be shot. As they are screaming, don't do this, he is screaming at them, do it, do it. He wanted to be shot. They, this went on for three solid minutes of them backing down the road, backing away, backing away, showing restraint, trying to de-escalate all of the things that they are being told and taught to do now. The presence of this, this attacker or potential attacker walking toward them with a knife, refusing orders and commands to put the weapon down, should have led them to shooting him a lot earlier in this confrontation. But they tried everything they could until eventually he broke into a dead sprint and ran at one of the two officers, which is very clear to see by body camera, okay? The officer then fires, not once, nor twice, nor three times, not four, not five, not six, but seven times in rapid succession. Pop, 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 pop. The suspect goes down. Sort of. Now, I don't know the details. I don't know what sort of drugs he was hopped up on that could help him survive and still have the adrenaline to do what he did next, but that didn't stop him. 
They're screaming at him to get on the ground, stay down, stay down, stay down. Somehow, he gets up and charges at the officer again. The unsuspecting officer, thinking there's no way he's getting up from that, is unprepared for the charge, and as the body camera shows, the suspect wraps him up and takes his gun from him. The other officer comes over to to assist, and he pulls his gun and has to fire four more times, hitting him four more times before he finally stays down. That's 11 rounds. 11 rounds before this individual is stopped. And yet we have Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis O'Rourke, the Irishman, pretending to be Latino for street cred and votes. We have Robert Francis O'Rourke and the rest of the dim bulb Democrats, the demon rats, telling us that they're going to limit. There's no reason you would ever need to have a clip that holds that many rounds. There's no reason you would need magazines that hold that. Really? How about you let us decide how many, how many rounds that we are able to, to, uh, uh, to expend in a given situation? Because you don't know what the attacker is going to be able to do. My friend Steve Loomis posted this video, and I shared it on my social media. Again, France Radio, Twitter, Facebook. I'll put it on Parlor too. Steve Loomis, the former president of the CPPA, now Cleveland police, de- uh, police detective, tweeted, or excuse me, commented this way on Facebook. They de-escalated, created space, and retreated, just like the liberal experts want us all to do. And this officer and his family nearly paid for it with his life. We are fast approaching an era where law enforcement will literally be required to phys- to be physically attacked or shot at before we can shoot. I wish more of the experts would leave their desks and their biases behind and join us on the street to show us how it's done. He is 100% right, and I want to, I want this to be a twofold commentary. Number 1, leave our cops alone. Let them do their jobs. It is trying to de-escalate and create space that nearly got this officer killed. The guy with the knife was able to survive seven shots, got up and attacked and tackled the officer and took his gun. You can hear him screaming. He's got my gun. Before the other officer, which is also shown from his body cam, comes over to assist and shoots four more times. It took two guns and 11 shots to stop this attacker but they want to tell us there's no reason anybody who's uh, just wants to have a gun for home defense there's no reason you need anything more than six bullets you know an old-fashioned revolver should be just fine there's no it's a weapon of war if you want anything that fires more really tell that to this officer tell that to these officers who took 11 needed 11 shots and two guns from two different vantage points to stop this attacker and oh by the way this was a multiple Uh, or excuse me, a single attacker. What are you going to tell the American citizen who is being victimized and home invaded by or attacked by multiple attackers? Which, sad to say, you can look up on the Internet and do a little search and you will find videos, countless videos and stories of people who have been victimized by multiple attackers. 
And in the comment section underneath most of them, what do you see? You see reasonable, common-sensible people saying, should have had a gun. This is why you arm yourself. This is why you arm yourself, because it, it you, you literally are defenseless, especially when they come at you in numbers. And when somebody comes at you in numbers, I don't want to be limited to six bullets. I don't want to be limited to the rounds that Robert Francis O'Rourke tells me that I can have. I want every bit of firepower that I can find if they're coming into my house. If there's two, five, three, four, five, six attackers, and yes, the Internet is full of news stories of that, that's an example. So there's a twofold story there. One, leave our cops alone. Two, leave our guns alone. This is a perfect example of both, how these new police practices are going to get cops killed. And number two, it's a picture-perfect example of why they need to leave us alone when it comes to the number of rounds that we feel like we need to keep ourselves safe. Single attackers, multiple attackers. We're not going to hit, by the way. We're not even nearly as well-trained as a police officer. So we're not going to hit them, hit the target as many times as we, as he did, or as they did. In the panic and in the fear of the moment, I mean, Lord only knows. But if you run out, too bad. You're at their mercy. So just Robert Francis O'Rourke and the rest of the gun grabbers, keep that in mind. We will not give in. We will not submit to your will. And we will not submit to your, um, judgment of how many rounds and what kind of a weapon we need. All right, uh, let me get a quick call in here from James and Lorraine County before we take a time out on AM 1420. The answer is free-for-all Friday. Anything you want to talk about is fair game. James, what's on your mind? Free-for-all. All right, thanks, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, for those people that want to, with their guns grabbed, they can go hang out with the care group. I mean, Columbus. But uh, I want to thank you for being on fire for the Constitution and, and giving people, you know, information about it. National well, you know, the Constitution The Constitution is literally the, the document that makes us what we are, the greatest nation in the history of human civilization, the greatest force Absolutely. for good, and it's the only way we protect ourselves. Uh, you know, the Constitutional Convention resulted in literally, uh, you know, a document that, that protects us forever, and it was, it was being celebrated on Constitution Day on the same day that they decided that a group care which is hell-bent on establishing something that is 100% the opposite of our liberty-ensuring Constitution, but rather our liberty-stripping Sharia law uh, that the uh, the radical Muslims want to implement. They put that together on the very same That's day, correct. not by accident. That's correct. And if you want to be submissive, if you want to be, you know, hang out with uh, the Islam group. And thanks again, Bob. I really appreciate it. I'm fired yep. for the Constitution. And for people that want to be on fire for us, read the Federalist Papers. Amen to that. Great That's great advice. Read the Federalist Papers, absolutely. And uh, and again, study more on the Constitution. Study more on the entire convention, everything that went in, all of the disagreements, all of the reasons why they decided what they did, what was included, what was not, what went into the Bill of Rights, and so on and so forth. It matters a lot. All right. Uh, 216-901-0945, Open lines, free-for-all Friday, coming up. Representative Matt Gates yesterday, House Oversight Committee, got a chance to talk to Al Sharpton. The Reverend was a witness testifying on police tactics and police brutality. Matt Gates got his bite at this apple. You are not going to want to miss this audio. Coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer.
All right, it's 9.50. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer, Michelle Malkin, is going to be joining us in about uh, 45 minutes, at about 9.35. Very much looking forward to that conversation. But I want to take you to a conversation that was held yesterday on the uh, floor of the um, uh, Judiciary Committee. I think I said oversight before. Apologies. The uh, uh, Jerry Nadler-led Judiciary Committee. Now, this was going on yesterday. Uh, uh, this conversation you're about to hear, this uh, Al Sharpton was was called to testify. <laughs> you should just laugh about that. Al Sharpton, of all, of all people, was called to testify about race relations and police practices. He appeared before the uh, congressional hearing at the House Judiciary Committee on Policing Practices during his turn to answer, or excuse me, to question the witness. Uh, Representative Matt Gates, who is a Freedom Caucuser from the great state of Florida, decided it was time to remind everybody about what this witness, Al Sharpton, who was discussing racial motivations for police shootings, essentially calling cops racists. Matt Gates decided it's pretty much time to remind everybody who this witness is. The witness who is p- complaining about police racism is a wild racist himself. He brought up a resolution that was introduced back in the year 2000. H, Concurrent Resolution 270, House Concurrent Resolution 270, um, which was which was proposed by then-Representative Joe Scarborough of Morning Joe on MSNBC today. This was back in 2000. The title of that Concurrent Resolution 270 was condemning the racist and anti-Semitic views of the Reverend Al Sharpton. So Matt Gates, the representative from from Florida, given an opportunity to do a little character examination of Al Sharpton, who was sitting there calling police officers racist, went at him. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And Reverend Sharpton, your current MSNBC co-worker, Joe Scarborough, is my former congressman. And when Joe Scarborough served in the Congress, he had quite a bit to say about your contribution to the national discussion. It was in the 106th Congress that Joe Scarborough filed a House Concurrent Resolution 270 entitled Condemning the Racist and Anti-Semitic Views of the Reverend Al Sharpton. Uh, Mr. Scarborough's resolution began by saying, whereas the Reverend Al Sharpton has referred to members of the Jewish faith as blood-sucking Jews and Jew bastards. So my question to you is, does Mr. Scarborough's assertion that you said these things is that true or did you not say those things they are patently untrue uh i never said that okay uh and well, maybe, uh, well, maybe can i finish under, my answer no uh it's actually my time but you will be able well, to well i thought number. you raised the question so the next question can i answer the question second comment he says where is the reverend since since aspersions were cast on the witness, the witness will be permitted. No, no, I'm sorry, Mr. Chairman. Aspersions weren't cast. I asked the witnesses. You asked, was it true that I said that? I, I can't reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Witness, you will have your time. The witness will be permitted to answer. You asked me, was that true? And the answer is, no, that was not true. And, uh, and that should be the end of the discussion. Because he asked you which uh, whether it was true or not. It's a yes or no question. When you answer no, he's allowed to move on to his next question. He can ask you another one then, which is exactly what Matt Gates uh, went on to do. Reverend Al Sharpton has referred to members of the Jewish faith as white interlopers and diamond merchants. Have you ever referred to members of the Jewish faith as white interlopers or diamond merchants? No, sir. I 
I referred to one. That should be the end of it because he's got more questions. But what happens? In Harlem, an individual who I didn't even know was Jewish as an interloper and said I should never have referred to his race. I said that I was against those that were using apartheid diamonds. <clears throat> and when I did a funeral in Crown Heights in 91, because we were boycotting Oppenheimer and those that were selling diamonds from apartheid South Africa. Thank in you, the same Mr. sermon, I'm trying time. to now finish my answer, sir. No, Am I allowed to finish my no, answer? I'm allowed to no, the, my the, the, You asked a question, and I'm answering yeah, I got a few more. Well, and I have a few more answers. I can't wait. Well, apparently you do because you don't want me to answer. No, so I this is exactly what he wanted to do. He knew what was going on here. He knew, Sharpton did, that Matt Gates was going to continue to hit him with his anti-Semitic and racist remarks over the course of his long and dis indistinguished uh, professional career as a racial arsonist. That's what... That's what Al Sharpton is. He's a racial propagandist and a race, racial ar arsonist who will use race literally to burn down everyone and everything he does not like. He knew where Good Gates was going to do, and he was going to filibuster that five minutes away any way he could. Al Sharpton led a protest in the Crown Heights neighborhood and marched next to a protester with a sign that read, The white man is the devil. Did you march next to a sign that said, I have no recollection of that. I've marched in... Uh, many things where there were signs that I did or did not agree with. And what, what was brilliant about Matt Gates in this line of questioning is, again, he's not using his own words. He is using the words of Joe Scarborough, fellow MSNBC host and friend of Al Sharpton. This is not some conservative out to get you. This is your current friend, Joe Scarborough, who introduced this resolution with all of these accusations against you. He wanted to get all of these on the Reverend record. Reverend Al Sharpton's fierce demagoguery incited violence, riots, and murder in the Crown Heights section of Brooklyn. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? As a matter of fact, the New York State uh, uh, did a extensive study on the Crown Heights riots said I was not even there until after there was death of uh, Yanko Roosevelt. I was not even called by the family until the day after. Thank you, Mr. We Mr. had nothing to do with it when I came. So what I would, would want to know here then, and I know Mr. Gates didn't have time to ask these follow-up questions, is this. If you're denying all of these things, why have you not gone after Joe Scarborough for such slanderous lies? Why would you let Joe Scarborough get away with saying that you did say all of these things, that you did march with all of these people, that you were uh, such an anti-Jew, anti-Semitic, anti-white racist? Why would you let him get away with that? Why are you such good friends today? Mr. Uh, Mr. Sharpton, have you ever referred to African Americans who disagree with you as cocktail sip Negroes? I have. At least he admitted that one, but uh, he went on to say... But have you ever referred to African Americans who disagree with you as yellow and then the N-word? I don't know that I've, I've referred to people as, as names. I don't know if it's because I, they disagree with me, but I have uh, said things about blacks and whites. I'm glad you made it clear that I don't only attack whites. Thank you for that. Yeah, but the point is your racism, your wanton anti-Semitism and racism has led to violence, has led to, and I can't believe he didn't get to, the Tawana Brawley situation in which Al Sharpton, made public comments and statements and represented the lying, 
teenage girl who claimed that she was assaulted and raped and wiped and smeared with urine and feces and dumped into a dumpster, et cetera, et cetera. Um, attorney general, uh, not a, uh, district attorneys and police officers in that entire thing. He has been a racist and a racial profiteer for 40 years. And this is the guy that Jerry Nadler's Judiciary Committee called to be an expert witness to testify on police practices, especially as they were they pertain to the black community? You bring up a racial profiteer, a lying racist, who in 2000 had an entire congressional resolution against his racism introduced by Joe Scarborough? That's your expert? That's your expert on police practices and race involving police involved shootings? Matt Gates just did brilliant work. Did any of that go anywhere? No, except to get it on the record and to get it played on MSNBC and on Fox News and yes, here on radio stations like this one all over the country. A reminder that Al Sharpton is is not only uh, not an expert on police practices, he is an expert on racism, anti-Jew and anti-white racism, and has been for his entire career. If you would like to comment on that, make that part of Free For All Friday. Dial up now, 216-901-0945. We'll talk to you after the news. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.